Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is currently 7.14 a.m. East Coast time, Sunday, December 1st. We're going to take a look at the showdown, the Sunday night showdown after the main slate. Whether you're chasing your winnings or chasing your losses, whatever it might be, between the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. Before we get into it, welcome back to the channel if you are new here. My name is Indeed Sal Vetri, and I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. Appreciate it if you take a couple seconds to hit that subscribe button. I saw some of the recent YouTube data that was updated, and if 51% of people who watch the content are not subscribed, so I really, really appreciate it. I give you that extra urge. If you just do hit the subscribe button, it honestly, as an independent creator here, helps me out the most if you hit that subscribe button. So thank you. I really do appreciate that. And also, if you're listening on the audio version, how those ears doing? Please do hit the five-star written review. I do appreciate all the help there in the audio version. That is similar to subscribing. You could also subscribe to the podcast. Five-star rate and review helps out a lot. Content, exclusive content linked up down below on Patreon, social media accounts. I release exclusive content leaks over on Instagram stories here and there a couple times a week maybe. And then on Twitter, at DFS. Free strategy guides linked up down below. That's all my stuff. That's all my plugs. Let's get into the slate. That is a dirty and messy slate. Um, Houston, or, or, the, or the Patriots, originally listed 17 players questionable. They have recently ruled out one of their top cornerbacks, Jason McCourty, for this game, which is very impactful for how good this number one overall secondary has been. Makes it a little bit uh, easier for Deshaun Watson and probably Will Fuller uh, over anybody else to kind of get loose in that secondary, although still a difficult secondary. And the fill-in J.C. Jackson for um, Jason McCourty is still going to be a solid cornerback. So, Outside of that, the Patriots, like I said, 16 other guys coming in as questionable. The entire team, all the wide receivers, once again, are question marks. Julian Edelman, questionable, seems to be the one that will likely play. Mohamed Sanu, uh, Philip Dorsett, guys who missed the last week, seem to be questionable for this one. I would say that one of those guys probably doesn't play, if not both. It seems like they both are leaning more not to play than to play. But for right now, we don't know what that news is going to look like. So we have to just act as if they are going to play. For Houston, for the most part, they place... um, an offensive lineman on IR. Outside of that, nothing really on their offense is is all banged up. All the receivers are going to be healthy. Finally, Will Fuller's second game back after exploding for a 140-plus yard performance in the last game. It seems to be a fine spot for Houston health-wise on offense as well as the Patriots. Nowhere near that, like we talked about. All their wide receivers coming in questionable. Some of their running backs as well, like a Rex Burkhead, uh, like a James White. So we will see how this turns out. I will approach this as if Muhammad Sanu, and I'll talk to you what happens if not, but I'm just going to approach this slate right now. If Muhammad Sanu and Philip Dorsett do suit up, but if not, it's a very easy fix. You just have their backup wide receivers filling in who would then become interests of mine. Starting at the top. So overall, 15 players are in a player pool right now. It's a gross slate. There's just not much here that I really like. Julian Edelman is a yes. He will see Vernon Hargraves, who has seen the most slot or has seen the most snaps and most slot snaps on the season so far, not just for the Texans because he came over from Tampa Bay when he got cut there, but a plus 17% advantage for Julian Edelman is well above average. Average would be 0%, right? So 17% more production is what they're expecting pro football focus here than average for Edelman, which is very good if you're going to get a 17% fantasy boost to Julian Edelman's average, which is average is 17.67 fantasy points per game. I do like that a lot. Julian Edelman would be probably my most secure play in rostering, if not in the captain spot, at least in utility. And Sony Michel, not a guy that I like. 10 fantasy points per game this year. He's priced at 8,000. Not a guy that I like on the season, but he has a positive 32% run blocking advantage this week. Number two on the slate. Texans ring 18th in rush defense. Michelle's 32 red zone rushing attempts to his backfield mates. James White's nine red zone rushing attempts. Um, uh, Rex Burkhead only having eight red zone rushing attempts, or I believe seven actually now. Uh, seven red zone rushing attempts, so 32% advantage. If you're telling me that Tony Michelle's $8,000 on the slate where everybody's priced up. I mean, if you look at the players that are $6,000 or more, 
even $7,000 or more, you kind of have all very meh feelings at them, right? I mean, Carlos had 6,200, very meh. Dorsett, if he plays 64, Sanu, if he plays 74, James White, 68, virtually a glorified slot wide receiver that has really no upside in James White, in my opinion. All these guys are just very meh plays. Uh, Will Fuller, 8,400. Now, before the news on Jason McCourty being out, I would say he's not even of interest to me, but now he is if he's going to have a backup cornerback on him. It's just a lot of guys who are overpriced for what their production probably is today and potentially a very balanced and maybe even low-scoring affair here. Um, so it's going to be Sony Michelle for me. Positive 32% run blocking advantage is 32% better than average is what the production on the ground should look like for the Patriots today. And he's the guy who should be handling the bulk of the carries. And like we said, majority of the red zone looks right now out of this backfield. He has seen 32. Yes, that is 32 of the possible uh, 48 red zone rushing attempts so far this season. So very good production uh, right there for him. He's pretty much seeing around 75 plus percent of those touches. So Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman are the two guys that stand out the most for me today in terms of rostering in my lineups. Then after that, Sean Watson, not a ton of interest here because number one overall secondary, although they're losing Jason McCourty, which probably bumps them down a little bit, uh, 7% pass blocking advantage. The Patriots do not have nearly as good of a defensive line as they wish they did, or as like a, another solid secondary Sam Fran has at their defensive line. But Deshaun Watson, if you were to choose a quarterback today, it would be him for me. There's just more mobility here, and I think overall the offense will work through Deshaun Watson in the passing game, even though it's a tough matchup, as opposed to the running game maybe more so out of necessity of trailing. Uh, I'd probably lean not to roster a quarterback, believe it or not. They're just priced up to a spot where you can't get to them or you don't feel comfortable. Like, yes, 85% of the time, 88% of the time, the quarterbacks at least one are in the winning lineup. But in those spots, most of the time, there's not two quarterbacks priced at $11,000 or more. I'd be shocked and I'd like to look at the stats of how many times a quarterback is needed when both starting quarterbacks are $11,000 or more in salary. I would be probably seeing somewhere around 85% of the time they're not needed, right? So I think if you look at those stats and don't add context to it, yeah, if you just say, oh, well, 85% of the time quarterback's needed, I'm going to jam in the show Watson. No, well, look at the context of it. Probably the far majority of the time, one or if not both of those quarterbacks are not in the $11,000 range. They're probably in the four-digit range of 9000 8000 even 10000 When they start to hit 11000 plus, a lot has to go right, and you're facing a stout secondary. So Deshaun Watson, for me, is a maybe only because if you wanted to play a quarterback, it would be him due to his mobility upside and probably more pass attempts in this game. But other than, other than that, no real interest. DeAndre Hopkins. This might be the the matchup of the year, if not the matchup of the last three years. In my opinion, the number one cornerback in the league, Stephon Gilmore, lowest pass rating against this year. He is literally the number one cornerback in the league um, against DeAndre Hopkins, who I believe is the best wide receiver in the league. You can open for debate, of course. You have your Julio Joneses of the world. Right there's 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 debate to who that guy might be Michael Thomas but I think it's DeAndre Hopkins so that's a really fun matchup for the Sunday night game seeing how Stefan Gilmore I'm sure the, the news will be all over it for that um, game tonight but you have Stefan Gilmore NBC I think it is um, Stefan Gilmore versus Deshaun uh, DeAndre Hopkins it's a brutal matchup it's gonna be a shadow matchup Gilmore in 2019 has only allowed 30 receptions for 360 yards that is 2.7 receptions per game for 32.7 yards per game a load of interceptions, and he has the best rating against, 37.4 pass rating against. He has been absolutely dynamite. Um, now you get a really good wide receiver in Dodger Hopkins, especially around the red zone on a small slate. A one, Like if this was a two or three or four game slate, I'd probably just fade Hopkins. But on a one game slate, he has to just beat him once in the red zone, right? He has to beat him once for a 15 yard touchdown. End the day with four receptions, 50 yards and a touchdown. And even then with his 16 fantasy points, even at that high of a price point, he's probably still needed because everybody on this slate, in my opinion, is overpriced. Will Fuller, I had no interest, but now that Jason McCourty has been ruled out, he'll see more J.C. Jackson. So J.C. Jackson filling in as the opposite cornerback on the outside. Jackson has been good this year, but a lot of his production has been in the slot. He's, he was a slot cornerback earlier in the year. 
Um, and now you have uh, you have him going to the outside, which is a tough spot. So I think Will Fuller is a very strong uh, player to get into your lineups now. Uh, he would probably be the guy who's closest to being a yes for me out of this Texans team. Mohamed Sanu, if he suits up, likely sees Jonathan Joseph. Joseph in 2019 has allowed 38 re- receptions for 434 yards and two touchdowns. That is 4.2 receptions per game for 48.2 yards per game. That is not good. Um, if you are individually giving up over four receptions and almost 50 yards per game on your lonesome in man coverage in the secondary, that's not even including just zone coverage in the game. That's not even including what the other cornerbacks in your team are doing. That is not good. That's a lot of production given up, so a nice spot for Sanu if he suits up, although he is relatively highly priced. If he is to suit up and play, be 100%. I do like him. James White at 6,800. He honestly leads closer to a no for me as always like i say he's virtually an overpriced slot wide receiver he offers very little upside on most nights he saw a season low 21% of the snaps last week. I would imagine that was mostly due to weather. They just kind of pounded the rock a lot. It was just a, a gross game, a slow game, not a lot of overall snaps in the game, but he did see only 21, which is the lowest he's seen all year. Um, it was usually he's around the 40 to 50% range. I imagine that goes up here. So a little more upside, but 6,800 is a really steep price point. Philip Dorsett, said if he was to suit up, I uh, would likely see Gary on Conley. Um, coming in here, who's a former Oakland Raider this year, Conley in 2019, has allowed 26 receptions for 389 yards and six, a whopping six touchdowns, 113.4 pass rating against. I would prefer Philip Dorsett to his teammate, Mohamed Sanu, if they were both to suit up. Just $1,000 less for just as good of a matchup, if not a better matchup. So track Dorsett and Sanu's status before a lock. Carlos Hyde is definitely interesting for me. You have the number one overall secondary with New England, um, but you have them ranked 27th in rush defense. They're not good in rush defense, just teams don't stay close enough with them. We saw last week Zeke had a fine game when he combined in the passing and the ground game. He had a fine game as a running back against this team. It's just a matter of can you stay close? Obviously, the weather last week for Zeke and the Cowboys overall was just gross in general. It's going to really get short footing. So Carlos Hyde, who, if the game stays close, we'll see 16-plus touches with the upside of playing 20 or having 20-plus touches, and that's what they should want to do here. Just try and slow the game down and take as least possession as you can to beat this Patriots team. Um, and, and yeah, I think that Carlos Hyde at 6,200 is probably one of the more fairly priced players on the entire slate. Patriots defense, uh, you have, um, it's ranked as a positive matchup for Houston's pass protection versus the defensive line, but Watson has 10 turnovers this year, seven interceptions, three lost fumbles. Houston is zero in the turnover margin, meaning that they have just as many um, turnovers on defense as they do on offense, whereas New England is number one with plus 19. So this team just forces turnovers. Obviously, they're the number one scoring defense because of pick sixes and things like that. So it's always a spot where we're at $5,000 that, oh, well, they're a defense, they're 5000 What can I get around them? Not much. Uh, if these backup wide receivers in Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry, who are similar price to the Patriots defense, do not suit up today, there's really not much you can get around them. You can get Kenny Stills in the slot in a brutal matchup. So yeah, I think the Patriots defense is in play today, uh, averaging 17.54. They're right now ranked as the fifth highest average scoring player on this entire slate, which is just insane since there's two quarterbacks and a very a lot of good wide receivers on the slate. Just nuts, but they're definitely in play for me. Darren Fells, tight end for Houston. He runs the exact same amount of routes, pretty much, if not less. This year, Jordan Atkins, who is cheaper than him by $1,400 on the slate, runs 1.4 more routes per week than Fells. So he's running more routes this season than Fells. Recently, it's been more closer to average neutral. They're each running like 20 routes a week. But you have Darren Fells seeing 70% more red zone uh, targets. So Fells is overpriced in terms of how many uh, routes he's going to run and really only see like three targets a game, but he's just used heavily in the red zone. So $4,200 Darren Fells, I have as a maybe right now. I think I'm going to make him a no. Uh, they probably work through their tight ends more. I'll make him a no live now because look, I have both these guys' nose now. He's just overpriced. Like you're going to get three targets. If he scores a touchdown, that's when you need him, right? Obviously he'll finish with like eight or nine points if he gets the red zone touchdown. So uh, you know what? I'm going to go be indecisive here. I'll make him back to a maybe, but just know that he's very high risk. Like if he was 3,200, he'd be a great play. They have him as 4,200 as if he's seeing like five or six targets. He's seeing three targets a game. He's getting like one red zone target a game. So that's the upside there. Do you think his one red zone target out of his three total targets today ends up in a touchdown? I would say no more times than not. And that's exactly what you've seen this year. If you think it does, well, then at 4,200, it becomes playable. 
both kickers are in play today and they're more so in play than ever before and it seems like they both have the same name <laughs> it's like kai forbath and then kaimi fairbrain i don't know how to say these names but if you look at those names i thought they were the same person at first kickers are fine to roster i think today they're a lot better to roster just because of like the value on the slate is pretty much just dusty old tight ends and like uh, slot wide receivers who might not even be used today so I think getting to one of them at most is good. Uh, Duke Johnson at 3,200. It's just a very meh play, right? He'll, he'll see more times than not in this matchup, like 40% of the snaps. He'll see like 8 to 10 touches. You think he gets there on 8 to 10 touches? I think it's fine. I like the upside, at least at the price point. The opportunity of 8 to 10 touches at 3,200 is very good, right? It, it just takes one play out of those uh, for a showdown slate to be binked because of Duke Johnson. Ben Watson is my last interest. 30.4 routes run per week over the last five since re-signing with the team. Remember, he was cut and then he, re- he was re-signed. 3.2 targets per week, 2.2 receptions for 24.8 yards per game over the five-week sample. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, what that's pretty much shooting out to be is like six or seven fantasy points. He's averaging since he's been on this team around with a kicker will score in this sleep, but he's cheaper than a kicker. So I think Ben Watson at $3,000 slot is a fair player to go after. And keep in mind, one of those games, I think he laid a goose egg. So those numbers are even skewed a little bit more. He's averaging... Uh, since returning about five fantasy points per game but again he had a zero in there you take that one out he's averaging close to seven which is a very good projection you have that the same projection as these kickers again about a thousand dollars less than the kickers my nose as of right now jacoby myers and Nikhil harry but this is what i have written for them if i will only get to myers and or harry if both sinew and dorset are out Otherwise, if you have Sanu in, you're going to have Myers and Harry splitting the wide receiver three snaps, and that's just not a lot of upside at their price tags of 52 and 5,400. They're overpriced. Um, so I need both of them to be out to have interest. If they're both out, I'd have more interest in Nikhil Harry than Jacoby Myers. Jordan Atkins, he has run 15 more rounds this season than Fells, but he's only seen three red zone targets to Fells 10. So for $1,400 less, he's getting similar usage, but that usage is pretty much just two to three targets, not in the red zone, any of them. So if his two to three targets, if he even catches both of his targets for 15 yards at 3.5 points, he's overpriced. If he was $200, well then yeah, you start to get to him and have interest. But at 2,800, he can catch three balls for 20 yards and not be needed with five fantasy points. So, and that's like the upside there. Tom Brady, 11,002. It's solely a pricing thing. I'm envisioning Brady not being needed as much in this spot at 11,200. He has no mobility. Talked about it earlier and in past showdown slates. If a guy's 11,000 or more at the quarterback position, I take a hard look at them. If they have no mobility, probably don't play them. If they do, like Lamar Jackson, like Deshaun Watson, then I'd probably consider them more. Uh, so Tom Brady on this slate, I'd prefer getting to Deshaun Watson at quarterback. He's just too expensive. Kenny Stills ran just 20 routes last week for Houston because they played a lot of two tight end sets. They didn't go a lot of three wide receiver sets. He'd likely see Jonathan Jones in the slot, who's only allowed 2.2 receptions and 22.1 yards per game in the slot this season. I don't think Stills is going to be needed that much um, unless they get behind big and then they have to go force into three wide receiver sets. I think they'll do maybe more two back sets with Carlos Hyde and a fullback, more two tight end sets, right? with both Atkins and Fels as they've done for a lot of the season this year. So I don't think Stills is needed at 4,800. He might not run more than 25 routes, and that's just an overpriced then. Uh, Rex Burkhead playing less than 25% or around 25% of the snaps since returning. He's good to see about five touches, um, but at 3,400, those five touches don't really carry that much upside. His red zone touches are nowhere near what they were last year and at the beginning of this year. Michelle's seeing 32 red zone touches this year. The Rex Burkhead seeing less than 10. Uh, He's even seeing less than James White this year. Obviously, he was injured for a span there, so... A little bit skewed, but uh, Rex Burkett at 3,400 is always like a tournament flyer play. We've seen him in the showdown this year, kind of being a showdown for people, but I'm just not going to get there. Brandon Bolden, likely to see three to five offensive snaps, maybe gets one touch. He's had one touch over the last four games, so he's a no for me. Kiki Kute ran zero routes last week as Kenny Stills moved back into the slot and ran 20 routes, and Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins controlled the outside. 
Matt LaCrosse has ran uh, 22 routes to Ben Watson's 60 routes over the last two games since Matt LaCrosse returned from injury. Over those two games, he's seen three targets, three catches, caught all of them for eight yards. So nothing really downfield. He's kind of a block and release type of guy right now, and he's behind Ben Watson in the rotation. So those are my interests. There's 15 guys. Only two that stand out as yeses. Will Fuller would probably be my third yes if I had to get there with no Jason McCourty now. Hopefully this slate in this video, the slate helps you. I really appreciate it. Once again, the 50, I think it's 51 to 54% of people that are not subscribed to the channel that watch this monthly, please do hit the subscribe button. Again, if you don't know what that means, it's totally free. It's the red button in the bottom right-hand corner of this video. It takes a couple of seconds. And what it does for me is it allows me to build a bigger audience, allows me to reach more people which allows me to pick up more third-party advertising, which in theory allows me, or at the end of the day, it's not even a theory, it allows me to do this, continue to do this, and spend all my time doing this per week for free over here on YouTube. So thank you so much. If you're exclusive in my, or interested in my exclusive content, that is linked up down below over on Patreon. Follow me on my social medias at DFS on Twitter, SalVetri on Facebook, both linked up in the description below. Be sure to check out the free strategy guides below too, uh, tips on NBA and NFL DFS. My name is Sal. Best of luck to everybody. Hit the subscribe button before you go. Hit the five-star rate interview before you close out your phone and your podcast. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.